This is the Spirit Duels Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Spirit Duels Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the series that we did over the past few weeks, letting you know about all the roles in the game and the classes within them. This week, we decided to level up a bit and get into some of the strategies you can utilize from understanding the roles and class abilities that exist within the game. And of course, to have this discussion, I have my man, Daniel, the creator of the game with me. How's it going, Daniel? Hey, hey. It's good, man. Uh, I think every week you ask me how it's going, and my response is always, I'm busy. So <laughs> again, <laughs> I've just, just been busy. So, Well, you are creating a game, plus you got uh, other things on the go. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. Yeah, two small kids and a third on the way. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, the, our, our third kid, she'll be here uh, in uh, June. Um. So if I'm not busy now, I'll be even busier in June. <laughs> Three <laughs> kids. So, yeah. Oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about strategies, as I alluded to, which I really love because just looking over this, I think you and I kind of lean towards different strategies when we play. Yeah. Based on our previous experience. And uh, more recently, I got to try out the mill tactic which i found really interesting for mm -hmm. a lot of reasons and i think we'll save that one for last so this is just like a little teaser to keep you all to the end so sure um why don't we go with the most straightforward approach in the game this is for people who have played other card games you're going to be familiar with this idea and that's the aggro approach or as i like to call it the smash face approach yep yep so, Daniel, I feel like you really lean into this strategy a lot of the times. Like, you have, like, your go-to Tai Chomp, moving on from there, evolving, getting things going, and then you pair yeah. it with some cool, uh, cool other classes to help support that. Why don't you lead off the aggro approach and why you like this approach and what about it you like so much? Yeah, I, I do. I do like aggro a lot. Um, even going back to my magic roots, um, I, I always loved red. In mm. fact, um, <laughs> I, I think the first deck I ever built in magic was a red white uh, Boros aggro deck. All right. So, yeah, I, I am a big fan of aggro um, strategies in games, specifically in spirit duels. Um, yeah, that the aggro approach is just going to be, you know, you, you are aggressively rolling for attack symbols. And of course, you know, you have magic symbols that deal damage um, in their own ways, like, you know, electric zap deals, you know, spread out damage uh, and, and burn, you know, deals damage things like that. But the fastest way of dealing damage is flat out attacking because it's it's immediate damage on a specific target. Um, so, so that's the approach I take with aggro is, is, you know, you're doing a lot of meditating, which is, you know, discarding cards from your hand to reroll your dice. And you're trying to reroll your dice as much as you can to try and get those attack symbols. So what classes are really good pairings for the aggro approach? So obviously you want to choose one of the three damage classes. Some of them mm -hmm. are obviously going to have characters that are more effective for just the straight rolling aggro. But I feel like there is a couple classes that are really 
lending credence to wanting to to get the maximum damage out and which ones are those yeah so other than the obvious like you said which are the three um damage classes you know uh fire electric and toxic wind is probably the the best to ensure you know the fastest burst damage because the because wind allows you to fix your dice so right you know if i'm using a spirit like tai chomp which is one of the heaviest hitters in the game and i'm rolling out you know like i was saying earlier if i pair tai chomp with a wind spirit i no longer have to depend on either rolling good or re-rolling what i want i can now use wind to set my dice to be exactly what i want you know and so if I evolve Tai Chomp once into Tai Nagma, he all of a sudden has an attack power of three. And if I can pair him with a Wind Spirit, then I can use that Wind Spirit's magic, that class ability, to set both my dice to um, attack sides. And now all of a sudden I have six damage showing on the board, which is pretty much going to one-shot anything round one. Right. So it's very fast, you know, and of course... With all that being said, you are hoping that your opponent doesn't have any answers to that, you know, control or anything like that. It, it, it's all about it's all about attacking, um, you know, burn uh, applying like burn and and um, zap and things like that are gonna get you damage, but you know, burn doesn't trigger until the end of the round. So if you're trying to take something out, if you're trying to take out a target fast. Uh, even though burn is a great way of dealing damage, it's not a fast way of dealing damage. And and with this aggro approach, we want to take out our targets as fast as possible so that they're not able to heal or armor up or mill us down or anything like that. So it's right. all about speed and tempo with, with the aggro approach. Right. And I guess going on from there, the next strategy that is kind of the counter i guess there's really two counters but this one is a direct counter in terms of you're you're going to be stopping and hindering those things is the control side of the game mm -hmm. yep and i'm i think i'm probably more of a control player just based on the fact that i like ice so much yeah <laughs> but i i have to say my appreciation for water increased a lot as i was uh as in the past few games we've played and that has nothing to do with the fact that the shark is now in water. Um, <laughs> yeah. So because I like control so much, the reason why I like using control is exactly what you said. It's maybe it's because I'm always playing against you and you love going for the aggro. Mm -hmm. And I just like the way that you can do things to your opponent that require almost like a patience. You have to be yep. calm. You can't freak out. You just have to allow things to happen. Like you're, you're not going to be winning quickly. But mm -hmm. the longer the game goes on, the more you're getting things under your control to actually win the game. And sometimes it does end up coming through damage and eliminating spirits. It's just happening in, in a less direct way than the, uh, the aggro approach presents. And it's really yep. fun to actually use that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, control is very fun um, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you're playing control you are the one in control of what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're playing control and, and you're looking down at your board and you see, you know, that your opponent has a lot of, you know, uh, attack or whatever showing, 
you know, you, you have a lot of different instruments, a lot of different options to deal with that, you know, whether it be your cards, you know, there, there's tons of obviously cards in the game that allow you to uh, mitigate um, your opponent's dice or remove your opponent's dice or re-roll them. Um, but then just like the class abilities, like, you know, you, you were mentioning water, you know, water's class ability allows you to splash your opponent's dice. And what that means is, you know, like we were talking in the previous episode, it allows you to turn your opponent's dice to any side that you want. And, you know, early on in testing, a, a big question was, is, is that good? You know, is that worth it? You know, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like I am removing one of my dice, you know, to only turn some of your dice to sides that I want, you know, so I'm getting rid of one of my dice to make your dice bad, but you still have dice on the board. And so it was a big question, like, is that worth it? Like, I'm losing my dice, but my opponent still is going to end up with dice on the board that they can try and fix. But the one, like, good thing about water is it's it's guaranteed, like, on-the-spot mitigation. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. to be dependent on having essence to use that ability. I don't have to depend on having cards in my hand to use that ability. Like if I have a magic side showing, you know, on a, on a water spirit, then I know for a fact that I have an answer to anything you have. So just things like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, like control, like that kind of leads me to my next point is that control is dependent on having, you know, certain things in place. They're dependent on, you know, having cards in their hand that they can use to control. They're dependent on having money. 100%. And when it comes to control, I actually find that, especially with water, mm-hmm. I utilize my cards more yeah. than in other classes. Like, I'll actually hold cards because the cards that happen are so strong at either removing or manipulating my opponent's dice mm-hmm. that I actually will rely on them more so than even dice. And I even find with control, you're actually probably in a position a lot of the times if you're class dependent as well where you're doing things where you're probably not going to be getting the advantage dice being in control because you're essentially keep putting your opponent to a point where they're saying like, well, I can't really do anything now. So my thing is to just take the advantage dice. You put them at a point where maybe they can't do anything else. So they just grab the advantage dice because you're always responding or hindering or doing something to stymie what they're trying to move forward with. So sometimes when you're in control, you have to accept that you're not going to be going first and you're not going to have that die. But I think that actually is to your advantage because you're responding to everything your opponent's doing a lot of times when you're doing control. Yeah. And you're waiting for that, you know, that big opener, you know, to close out the game, whether it be through meal or some kind of like big, you know, tidal wave or whatever that you're going to launch on your opponent and, like that, like I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because that is a really good point. Like control really leans on on its cards more than any of the other roles do. Mm-hmm. And like with that being said, like they, you know, one thing that control kind of does more so than support or damage is they they're kind of wanting to play cards over evolving. Yeah. You know, so if if anyone's unfamiliar, like. You know, evolving cost essence and playing cards cost essence. So a lot of times, you know, one of the a, a common play at the very beginning of a round is to immediately evolve a spirit. 
But control players, they normally don't want to do that. They want to sit on their essence and let their essence, you know, sit there so they have an opportunity to play a card that might get rid of dice or something like that. And then later on in the round, you might see control players evolving, whereas most support or aggro players or, you know, damage players are going to be evolving early on in the round, if that makes sense. Totally. No, I get that. And I think that's a perfect segue into a tactic of going into money because I feel like the money strategy can pair with the control strategy, which is honestly, that that's my wheelhouse. And I know yeah. Travis, one of our other testers, he loves going for the money as well. And mm-hmm. I just I just find that I will evolve a spirit that can generate money right off the hop and look to roll that and re-up my money right away. Yeah. Over doing any other evolution, over anything with power, over anything that has a control factor. I'll spend my money to go from my essence being just a one power to a two or even a three power sometimes. Uh, yeah. I think there's actually no three power. I think it's only two for first evolution as they all have. But I'll look for that yeah. too. And and especially if it's got a green dice, I'll draft specifically like who's going to get me my money. Like that is a very important aspect for me when I play. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always going for a money strategy that's going to pair with something else. That's always my personal philosophy. I love it. I think it just provides you so much flexibility and then when you can evolve two spirits in one turn and that's what you did it just provides a stat boost that i find that then when you start rolling in you have a huge advantage yeah totally and like you know essence generation is and we haven't talked too much about like the setup and the draft phase of the game Mm -hmm. but but essence generation is a very critical part of like building your team of spirits uh kind of almost regardless of what your approach is yeah yeah like drafting a a spirit that can generate you essence whether it has a high essence stat or whether it has those green essence dice is very important but um uh you know i really want to uh touch on one strategy that you were talking about with with this essence grab or money grab strategy is is that double evolution in a single round? Like, that's kind of like w- what I've seen is almost like at least in testing become like a really top tier play. Um, you know, on average, players, you know, it, it's really easy to pull off a single evolution in a round, right? You you start with two essence every round, and spirits it, it generally costs two essence to evolve unless you're evolving into stage three. And, and if you so, were going to do that, that's five essence you would need. So you start the round with two, and you need to find a way to get three more for you to pull that off, just so everyone has context of the cost of one round going yep. to stage three. Yeah. It, just in, in what I've seen is if you can evolve two of your spirits, you know, say it's the very beginning of the game, right, and you have all all three of your spirits are stage one. If you can evolve two of those into stage two in that first round, You've got a big advantage over your opponent. And mm-hmm. and kind of what you were saying, like a, a really smart move, you know, like we said, it, it costs two essence to evolve a stage one spirit into a stage two spirit. So if I can evolve my stage one spirit into a stage two spirit at the cost of two essence, and now that stage two, es- uh, that stage two spirit now has an essence value of two, 
if I can roll that die in and get and resolve it, I all of a sudden have just made my money back and now I'm ready to evolve another spirit. And that's basically what you were saying earlier. And that, that's like, just like a huge kind of like tempo swing. Like you, you, you have built your board better than your opponent, you know, but it just comes at the cost of, you haven't been focusing on dealing damage or controlling your your opponent. You've been focusing on building your board, um, which obviously pays off in the later game. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've actually over time become a really big fan of that strategy of, you know, mm-hmm. focusing on essence. And like I said, like when you're in the setup phase, like when you're in that draft and you're building your team, uh, it's very critical. Um, some spirits start off with with zero essence. And, um, so like you could easily build a team that generates no essence. Um, yeah. it's just going to be a really aggro team. So next we have focusing on putting status conditions on your opponent's spirits, mm-hmm. which is honestly, it's, it's a really fun way of, of doing things and it kind of rolls into using magic. So we can kind of talk about these together as when you're, when you're looking to do, um, rolling your magic dice, but you can be doing it for for different reasons. Basically, like one is to put status counters on, which is essentially something that exists on the spirit, and they have to figure a way of either dealing with it or somehow mitigating or planning for that to go off and not have as detrimental an effect. So it's it's kind of a fun little. It's it's almost like control in a way because of the fact that it's doing things that's going to cause your opponent to have to figure out how to respond to it. But they, a lot of the times the status counters are the ones that are dealing damage are obviously related to damage classes, which is a really fun aspect of the game. I find like, I'm honestly like, I'm not a huge fan of fire, but I'm a huge fan of burn. Like I think it's one of the coolest (laughs) things you can do. Like this looming threat of like, my yeah. spirit is going to die at the end of this round. <laughs> yeah. What do I do now? How do I mitigate yeah. this? Like, I feel it really gets the the 4D chess moments coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I love that you called this or you named this strategy magic moves. That's just really cool <laughs> to me. But um, yeah, so like, kind of touching on what I was talking about in the aggro strategy, um, you know, status counters – they they pay off over time. They they don't they're not like you know an upfront you know effect. So when you burn an enemy, you know it, when I resolve that magic die to burn you, nothing happens right then. In fact, I'm not going to mm-hmm. see anything happen with those tokens until the end of the realm. And so, you know, really relying on status counters, you're you're already agreeing that you are going to you're in it for the long haul. You know, like you're you're not trying to uh, knock out your opponent's spirits quickly. You're not trying to, um, you know, do anything fast that you're just going to kind of sit back and apply these burn tokens or poison tokens to your enemies. And then while those things do their job, you are just going to continue either controlling your opponent or continue building your board so it which is super cool because of the fact that like we were talking about the fire and the the aggro approach and Mm -hmm. using tie chomp and tie magma 
and Magmaros for that aspect. But there's also other spirits in fire which actually lean to doing this sort of thing. Like in other the other damage classes where yeah. you're you're not necessarily going to roll the damage aspect of it. It's an aspect that exists that will be useful, but you almost wanna draft this spirit because you know what i'm looking to roll magic more yeah because with all these things we're talking about there is the fact that the more common dice symbol you have present among all three of your spirits the more you're going to get to do one aspect of something in a greater impact on the game so if you have like one spirit that rolls magic one spirit that rolls damage and one spirit that rolls essence that essentially means that you have three turns to execute all those things instead of one turn getting all of them to do one sort of thing that yeah that's exactly right yeah if all my you know if all three of my spirits if the majority of their dice are magic dice then I'm using less actions to resolve my yeah. dice. So there's um, that efficiency. Yep, exactly. Yep. And yeah, so the spirit you were referring to in fire, that that's the Phoenix line. Yep. And so like where Tychomp wants to roll a lot of attack and, you know, hit their enemies really fast, uh, the Phoenix line, we don't have names for them yet, <laughs> but the Phoenix line, um, you know, uh, and, and another note on Tychomp, Tychomp has zero essence that that whole line doesn't make any money but it has a really high attack stat where the polar opposite of that is the phoenix where phoenix has a high essence stat and a good magic stat so what phoenix wants to do is even though they both are doing the same thing at the end of the day which is you know dealing damage phoenix is again in it for the long haul where Phoenix is going to be applying the burn tokens to its enemies. And then while those burn tokens do their job, which is ticking damage, it's just going to be making money and playing cards and doing things like that. So, yeah, it's almost like you're just putting out these little tokens that work for you in a way, Um, Mm -hmm. like these little minions that are dealing damage while your spirits are, you know, doing their thing. So, yeah. Totally. I I honestly really like the magic. It's something I've kind of been, I want to say literally last time we played, I just really saw it come together in a really cool way. Like the way you set up the board for me Mm -hmm. to use these three spirits, it just, I was like, wow. I'm like, I really see the utility. Like I don't even want to roll damage. Like I want to roll magic because I can utilize things. Like especially my appreciation for zap was taken to another level last time we played because it is doing damage and it's the it's i think such a cool class ability because as the game goes on the ability becomes more powerful because you cannot split it the same way it's such a cool thing to utilize yeah totally totally man and then i guess we're going to round out with pretty much the newest strategy that has entered Mm -hmm. the fray which is mill and i gotta say Daniel, I hated Mill and Magic, but I love <laughs> Mill in Spirit Duels. When you had me play that, I was like, okay, I'm in this. Like, I'm I'm with it. I love the way this plays. Sure. It is so much fun. Yeah. I was really reluctant on adding Mill, like a, a Mill mechanic mechanism to the game. Uh, because in, in a lot of games where I, you know, that has Mill as a win condition, whether it be Magic or, you know, even Star Wars Destiny, which... You know, like we've said before, uh, Spirit Duels owes a lot to Destiny. I always felt like if I was playing D 
damage and my opponent was playing meal or vice versa, it felt like we were playing two different games. And I wasn't really a big fan of that. And um, so I was kind of reluctant on adding meal to the game. Um, but over time, it was kind of obvious that, that Spirit Duels needed that. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is what, you know, the overarching strategy for meal is. It's at the end of the day, it's outlasting your opponent. It's surviving mm-hmm. through whatever they can throw at you until they no longer have cards. And yeah. so as much as arcane is a meal class, you know, because at the end, you know, what arcane's doing with its magic size is it's straight up milling cards off your opponent's deck. As much as they are a meal class, so is earth and so is nature because they're putting armor tokens on your spirits to help them survive their, their healing damage off them to help them survive. And, you know, all that survivability that you are adding to your team has to lead somewhere. And if it's leading you to outlasting your opponent until they have no more cards, like, you know, that's the overall strategy that you're going for is, is you're outlasting your opponent. And it's, it's really fun because it it gives this awesome purpose to classes like, you know, water, like I'm splashing your damage so that I can last one more turn to make you draw five more cards and get one step closer to defeating you. So hundred percent. I mean, what you said about you're playing two different games exists to a degree, but not like other games because it's more like you're not worried about dealing damage in that sense. Like you just don't care that their spirits are alive in any capacity. Like it means nothing to you, Mm -hmm. but you still have to be conscious of not letting your spirits go. Absolutely. It's like that that other thing. And and the counter to mill, I think, is even more important is if you're like, okay, they're going mill, I need to focus on damage. Yep. Is I think wind becomes so important. Oh yeah. Playing against it because you can't afford to be discarding cards. You can't afford to even be playing cards for that matter. Like yep. I think Ty Ty Chomp, Ty Magma, and Magma Rose mm-hmm. are the epitome of a counter because of the fact that you can afford to not play cards at all if you Mm -hmm. have that one spirit and it's staying in the game and you can use your win to help support it can give you an opportunity where they may not outlast you as a result like their because their mill becomes super inefficient at that point yeah totally so there, there are counters and i mean i think we follow up this next week with talking about drafting and getting into the, oh, the yeah. minutia of I'd drafting. I'd love to. Because it's, <laughs> it's put, a whole other thing. Off, but yeah, it's like, it's honestly, as much as I love playing the game, the draft is, I mean, it's my, honestly, my favorite part. So <laughs> it's the, it's the true strategic, like, yeah, start of the game. Like that's yeah. when you're, you're really looking to play because there's, there's levels to it, which we'll get into next week. We don't want to get, go too far into it now, but you definitely want to sure. listen to that because it, it is the whole reason how you can set up your strategies is going to come from the way you start drafting. Yep. And I think it makes sense to have not talked about that before this, because if you don't understand the strategies, then you're not going to understand what you're looking to grab in the draft itself. Absolutely. So yeah, Absolutely. next week, I think that's where we'll hundred percent be taking the show. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to add to this, uh, Daniel, about uh, the strategies of the game? I don't think so. You know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it all comes back to the draft. 
you know, and, and what classes you're selecting because, you know, the classes and what they do, their class abilities, it's, it's really everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, you've got, you've got that triangle, you know, attack, magic, and essence. And, you know, what the team you're putting together is going to decide what strategy you're, you're going to, you know, take on. And, um, yeah, I, I think we have put together a good little, like I said, triangle, you know, that, that all kind of counter counters each other and comes full circle. And like we were saying, like mill, you know, it all leads back to the first strategy we talked about, which is aggro, you know, and, mm-hmm. and e- each strategy has an answer to it. So, um, yeah, it really excites me to see strategies come up like that and just kind of play off one another. So, uh, yeah, man, I- I'm excited and, and, um, yeah, and uh, I, th- I think you said it perfectly. So we yeah. will uh, we'll get at you next week and introduce you to the draft process. Awesome. Have a good one, everyone. You've been listening to the Spirit Duels podcast. To become part of this game, join us in our Discord. Link in the show notes.